Hey everyone, welcome to the 11th episode of the Bavada at Odds podcast. I'm your host, Seth Everett. The head odds maker at Bavada Sportsbook is Patrick Morrow. Patrick, welcome. Can you believe this is week 11 of our show? And the only reason I know that is because it's week 11 of the NFL. Oh, funny how that worked out. But yeah, no, this is this is great. I feel like we've really grown as a podcast. We're really coming into our own. Uh, our first guest. Uh, it's it's right. pretty exciting times around here. We have Antoine Staley. He's a, a beat reporter for the Florida State Seminoles uh, for the Tallahassee Democrat. Uh, he's down there in Tallahassee and, uh, he covers, uh, the Seminoles. He covers the ACC. We're going to talk to him about all kinds of college football and how they're pulling it off. So we'll talk to Antoine Staley in just a moment, but first let's talk about the NFL and the three-way tie for first place in the NFC West. And two of these teams meet up Thursday night. This is a great game. The Cardinals and the Seahawks, the Cardinals after that hail Mary my uh, DeAndre Hopkins from uh, Kyler Murray. That was an unbelievable play to beat the Buffalo Bills. I don't think they covered the spread, though. Uh, nonetheless, the Cardinals travel to the clink to take on those Seahawks who are scuffling at six and three. What an interesting matchup that game is. Yeah, quick note on that Arizona Buffalo ending uh, really speaks to, you know, bet early, bet often, because if you got it beforehand, Arizona was a two and a half point favorite. It closed at three and three and a half in some spots, but that Hail Mary was able to put some people over the top. Uh, looking to Arizona and Seattle and the NFC West, uh, one of the most exciting divisions in football this year. You know, we were high on Arizona in the offseason. We weren't this high. We thought the Rams might be able to right the ship a little bit, and we were down on the Seahawks' defense. So, you know, kind of a mixed bag in where we're at uh, so far. I would say this game, and, and looking at this over-under of 57.5, well, that, that says it right there. This is going to be points. Uh, Russell and Kyler. Uh, Two of the top three favorites for NFL MVP this year, right up there with Patrick Mahomes, are going to be putting up crazy fantasy football numbers in this game. As it currently stands, Seattle, ever so slight three-point favorites at home, but Arizona Cardinals, uh, in something I haven't been able to say in several years of uh, watching this team against the Seahawks, 80% of the money on Arizona heading into Thursday night. Not surprising. Not surprising. Uh, and I, I, I'm telling you right now, that line is three. I'd, I'd take Arizona. I would totally take Arizona. Uh, funny story about DeAndre Hopkins. Um, he made that, that great catch, and all the pundits on television kept talking about these extra large gloves that he has because he has giant hands. And all I had to say is, do you need to rub that in our face too? <laughs> okay so you're going up from that angle i wasn't sure if you were thinking that or if it was like a hockey situation with like the overly curved stick if it's legal equipment but no i see now we're just feeling a little bit bad about like, ourselves dude uh. i mean i mean come on give 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 regular people a chance for hope here deandre hopkins with this extra size glove you got to talk about that on every show well, you know what they say about a man with big gloves there big catches go. <laughs> Big catches. There you go. Uh, speaking of that uh, division, the Rams, as we kind of bounce around, uh, the Thursday night game is Seattle, Arizona. The Monday night game, the Rams take on the seven and three Buccaneers. Uh, Tom Brady against the Rams. And, he, you know, he, the Rams are just as much a chance. They're at six and three as well, taking on uh, a Tampa team that has come into its own. 
Yeah, it should be a fascinating Monday Night Football game. Uh, Rams with a chance to maybe extract a little bit of revenge against uh, Tom Brady. People forget that uh, while the Rams lost that game, they kept uh, Tom Brady in check for a good uh, amount of that game. So I would say that uh, the Rams will be uniquely positioned to game plan that game as well. Tampa Bay currently a three and a half point favorite at Bovada and the over under of 47 and a half. One of the lower ones of the week, which again goes to show this evolution of scoring in football, where only five, 10 years ago, an over under 47 and a half definitely would have been one of the higher ones. Uh, crazy. There's some crazy lines out there. Uh, first of all, Titans, Ravens. Uh, these are two, six, and three squads as well. This is a beautiful matchup. The one o'clock uh, early game on the East Coast uh, on CBS. Uh, the Ravens coming in at six and three against Ryan Tannehill, who's had one of his best seasons. Uh, he's done so well. Uh, Derek Henry and com- company. What do you make of Titans, Ravens in Baltimore? Ah, fantastic game. A great playoff game last year. A really uh, a sign that this Titans team was perhaps for real and not just getting hot at the right time. Uh, they controlled the ball last year. Uh, Tannehill scrambling. Henry just bruising. Uh, fantastic matchup. I think it'll be interesting to see what the Ravens are able to do after that disappointing Sunday night game against the Patriots, where the Patriots employed kind of a similar uh, kind of a similar game plan as to what Tennessee, I imagine, would be hoping you know, running the ball a lot, pounding into it. I mean, you know, using Cam Newton almost in a way that Derrick Henry will be used and some of that supporting cast uh, on offense. So will be interesting to see if Baltimore is able to bounce back. Currently have them as a six-point favorite at Bovada with about 60% of the money on the Tennessee Titans. Green Bay escaping Jacksonville with that game. They travel to Indianapolis now uh, at seven and two, four and one on the road, taking on Philip Rivers and the Colts. Yeah, tough to make, uh, uh, you know, try, tough to figure out, I should say, this Green Bay Packer team this year. Uh, I mean, they've looked really, really hot to start the year, smashed by the Buccaneers, uh, come back, smash the Texans, lose to the Vikings, kind of struggled with the Jaguars a little bit. Jaguars showing that they could run the ball pretty well against this uh, Packers team and the Colts, the Colts are six and three atop of that division, which was something that surprised me before I even looked at uh, the standings coming today. Phillip rivers, having a decent amount of success with that team. One of the last few non-mobile quarterbacks having success in the league right now. So a fascinating contrast uh, here, currently the Colts minus two and a half point favorites. So you're catching them just below that key number of three and the Packers as underdogs, this is, going to be a bit of a surprise to some people in this spot we do think the Colts at home do line up just slightly better our betters disagree we're seeing about 75 percent of the money on the Green Bay Packers so far for this 425 game and then the Chiefs and the Raiders the Sunday night game the Raiders in Las Vegas against Patrick Mahomes and company Chiefs a heavy favorite there is that line too high you know, you, you nailed this before. What a what a great set of games this week. Uh, you know, oh, ones. you know, I'm trying I'm trying to look for a week one before I get back to this game. I guess maybe that's Cincinnati, Washington. Well, okay, that can't all be aces, but otherwise, not bad. <laughs> Getting back to Chiefs and Raiders. Yeah, so we currently have the Chiefs as six and a half point favorites at Bovada. One of the more backed sides of the week with about eighty five percent of the money on the Chiefs. Raiders look good this year and, and not in the way that the Raiders kind of, you know, tease, you know, maybe every two or three years with, uh, you know, this might be the year to make the playoff. I think they legitimately look really good. I think Gruden has uh, really caught fire with that offense. He's getting the most out of Derek Carr. And uh, it, it's been fun to see what that Raiders team is able to do this year. Impressive win over the, uh, 
over the uh, New Orleans Saints, pardon me, earlier in the season. And again, a very high over-under currently sitting at 56.5 at Bovada with about 70% of the money on the over. And again, the Chiefs also heavily backed in that game. So we will need the Raiders come Sunday night. And you know what? The Raiders might not pull it out, but I think they can hang. I think they can get that late touchdown, that dreaded backdoor cover. So six and a half doesn't seem like that, that much for them to have to be able to cover in that spot. All right. You want a lousy matchup? I'll give you one quick one. Why are the Chargers at two and seven an eight and a half point favorite over the zero and nine Jets? Are the Chargers that much better? Uh, I mean, I'm trying to think of a team right now that wouldn't be over a seven point favorite over the Jets. Maybe the Jaguars, uh, maybe the Jaguars, but the Jaguars would be a favorite over the Jets right now. And I think, you know, gosh, that last Monday night football game, and we talked about it, uh, how bad we thought it was going to be, ended up being a little bit more exciting. But I think that was more out of lack of Patriots execution early on than it was out of, you know, perhaps a lot of Jets competence. The, the Jets just, you know, I mean, it's tough to quantify things. Like, we know they're bad on both sides of the ball, but it almost seems like at times, like, there's a give up in them. There's a failure to execute in a way that looks like, they just don't look like they have it all together. And is that worth an extra point or two in this spot? Having said that, we also do have the Chargers as much better than a two-win team. They've had very close games that they've just been on the wrong side of late. Uh, they could easily be a four or five win team if the ball breaks a little bit differently. So we do think the Chargers have been victims of, uh, you know, just a lot of bad luck early in the season, but that's not the case with the Jets. They're bad. They stink and they stink all over. We're on to college football. And for that, how about we bring a guest? Have you ever considered, do the Bavada people pay your guests very well? Cause I can't believe this guy agreed to come on our show. Uh, I hope they pay him more than they pay me. But uh, you know what? This is when you know you've made the big time when we finally start branching out and adding people to what some are saying is the most exciting podcast in sports gambling. There you go. Antoine Staley is with us from the Tallahassee Democrat. He covers Florida State and uh, is all around college football. And I found out a, I can't believe this, a grad student at my alma mater, the great Syracuse University. Antoine, welcome to the show. How are you? I'm good, good, good to be with you. I guess I'm happy to be on with you. It's uh, it's crazy to think about this season uh, because for a while, I didn't think it was going to happen. For a while, some of the conferences, unless they got pressure from somewhere, they, they weren't going to play the Big Ten and the Pac-12. And now everybody's trying, but there's so many cancellations and schedule changes. And you, it, it depends on what part of the country you're in. Everybody has different levels of confidence. Where do you lie here, uh, you know, out in Tallahassee on how they're pulling this off? Yeah, well, I think a lot of the conferences are kind of just kicking the can down the road and changing the schedule and figuring, you know what, let's change it up and maybe this team can play that team and, you know, we can come back to this game in a few weeks. And uh, it's worked so far. I'm really surprised that college football has gotten as far as what it did. I was really pessimistic going into the season I didn't think it would work just simply because you're relying on 18 19 20 year olds to make sound decisions uh even though you're not they're not going to be in the classroom but uh there are a lot of extracurricular things they can get into uh outside of the campus but it's worked well uh so far I mean it's been some cancellations but you look at it as a whole it's worked really well now as we start to get into colder months of November and of course December coming up and also with the season and then it's going to be interesting to see how many more of these games get canceled because now you're starting to run out of time and 
Uh, obviously, they pushed the Heisman uh, presentation back to January. These bowl games are going to start to come up uh, late December, early January. Uh, so it's going to be interesting to see how long, how much more cancellations we're going to have. I imagine a few more, but uh, some of these games are probably not going to happen just if we're being realistic. Yeah, you know what? I think uh, baseball really laid the groundwork for, uh, you know, we're just going to make it up as we go along. And I think uh, the, the proof's in the pudding. The ratings are still there. We can reschedule games. We can figure it out. Of course, hopefully that we're doing this safely. There's no real sanctity to when these games are going to be played, uh, when the national championship may be played. Uh, I, I think, uh, and with that in mind, we've tried to keep that same kind of interpretation of flexibility up of audit when it comes to wager settlements. So a big thing that's occurred so far is obviously we've had a lot of games postponed. So we want to make sure that we're very timely about refunding that money to players' accounts so they can either, you know, take it out or bet it on something else. Uh, we've had a lot of disclaimers that we've needed to place around season win totals. That's one of the most popular bets. But, you know, if a team's not going to end up playing all their scheduled games, what we will do is void the losing bets in that spot. But if it looks like it's going to win, we've actually taken a pretty player-friendly stance to try and grade that on, on an expected win for some teams that may or may not play technically all the designated games. So we've kind of been learning a lot as we've gone and really changed a lot of our settlement rules to uh, really reinforce this idea that, uh, you know, the player's not really, you know, the player didn't bet that game expecting the COVID cancellation. So how are we able to settle this in a way that keeps everyone pretty happy with us? And it's uh, like the leagues. We've had to be really dynamic in how we've uh, approached not just handicapping these games, but how we go about settling these games and creating parameters for settlement. Antoine, where do you see, like Miami had to cancel three weeks worth. I mean, it, it, there's some, some major cancellations here on some of these programs. Don't know when. Are you surprised? And, and I'll ask the same thing to Patrick. Are you guys surprised that there has not been one program that has just said, oh my God, this is too hard, <laughs> like enough. We, uh, we, we punt and we, we tried, but we're failing. Like uh, that hasn't happened yet. Um, I, I think you get into it. Once you get into the season, you kind of feel like, okay, we're just going to try to make this work somehow. And I think a lot of schools have done that, even though they've had to miss weeks on end. With Miami, they almost didn't play their game against Virginia Tech because they had so many players directly affected by COVID-19. So they end up having to switch their schedule and uh, end up switching a whole bunch of games there um, later on in the season. But yeah, it's um, I, I'm not surprised by that because I think a lot of teams, especially with the players, the players want to play, um, whether it be 11 games, 10 games, eight games, they don't care. They just want to be out there on the field, especially uh, during this time of the year. So I feel like once you get into it, and of course you have the Big 10, the Pac-12 is – trying to make it work. Uh, some of those schools haven't been had, had, had cancellations too as well. But I think once you're in it, then uh, I think the teams are just trying to make it work the best they can uh, in this situation. Patrick, did you think a team was just going to call it off and just say, all right, uncle, we're done? Well, you know what? It was interesting because it looked like for the longest time that the Pac-12 and uh, the Big Ten would not be joining the rest of college football and playing this year. And the Pac-12 was the latest to start. And then right out of the gate, they had cancellations. Like, it almost seemed like, you know, they had the right of it. And maybe they shouldn't have come back. But it, uh, it's tough. It's tough to leave all that money on the table. Uh, a lot of the money that the players aren't getting. But uh, it, it's difficult. I mean, it's recruiting for years to come. It's, uh, you know, eyes and, and TV contracts. I mean, it's tough uh, when you are trying to weigh what's right versus what incentives are. 
Um, ultimately, I will selfishly say as a fan, it's great having all these games back. It's great for us as a sports book as well. I think we talked about this last week, the idea that, you know, I was quietly happy, but also a little bit sad to see some of these Hawaii games popping up on my screen again, because that means very late Saturday. Pac-12 <laughs> after dark uh, keeps us up super, super late at night. Um, I am surprised uh, that the Pac-12 came back. And then when they canceled before even some games were played, I thought, all right, maybe they'll just pack it in. But at this point, I would say, uh, you know, to borrow a term, uh, they're all pot committed now. I think they're going to get to the finish line. I don't know how they get to that finish line. It will be interesting and not to go too off topic to see what more college basketball leagues uh, do and to see if some will follow what the Ivy's already done. In the ACC, uh, a conference that I'm close to with, with Syracuse, but also you cover Florida State, um, you've seen that I, it seems like everything the ACC is doing is because of Clemson. Do you agree with that, that theory that the ACC would have gone the way of the Big Ten or the Pac-12 in saying, let the other guys try first, but because Clemson's there and they have such high expectations that there was an overabundance of pressure, and Florida State's got this rich football history so they know what it's like to be the chosen one i just think it's the south in general i think the south um it like, has a different perspective football is king in college football i mean in the south college football is it drives everything whether it be these small towns that are revolve around college football saturdays when you talk about clemson which are which to your point yeah they're the top dog in the acc and one of them in college football. So yeah, they definitely felt pressure there. You can look at the SEC in Alabama. They felt a ton of pressure too, because Alabama could possibly win another national championship there as well. So yeah, I think you have, it's, it's a, it's part of that. And also the revenue made. And also you have a lot of these states are really red and Republican. So a lot of these governors are really pushing the narrative of saying, you know what, we don't think we we know COVID may be serious, but we think you can get it controlled enough where you can have these players play the whole season and they not be too much affected by it. So I think you, it's a combination of a lot of different things there. But yeah, having a superpower like a Clemson, like an Alabama, certainly drives the narrative and puts pressure on these conferences to say, you know what, we, it's better if we play and also make a ton of money while we're doing it. And I think we'd be uh, remiss if we uh, didn't mention Notre Dame, who's kind of joined the ACC this year. Yeah. They were they were one of those teams uh, right from the get-go that said, hey, we want to play games this year no matter what. Brian Kelly was adamant about that. And uh, maybe he knew how good the, his team was. Maybe he knew that Trevor uh, Lawrence would come down with COVID and Notre Dame would have a chance to be undefeated. By the way, that uh, uh, Trevor Lawrence missing that game against Notre Dame, that moved the point spread seven points at Bovada. So again, something that uh, a brief announcement on Twitter uh, worth a lot of expected value for players who immediately jumped on and not too many at Bovada, but as Seth, I always like to tell you, we like to close down our lines and then bet them somewhere else whenever we see this. But uh, no Notre Dame full game, first half, first quarter, bet heavily on that information. So uh, in these COVID times, and this has been something that we can do for NFL and uh, college but it has been fascinating to see that the advantage play, the advantage angle of betting on COVID tweets now has actually been profitable, morbid as it sounds. Antoine, what's your thought on Lawrence and this time that he has missed? And, you know, he's expected to be the number one pick in the draft. And everybody wonders if depending on who gets the worst record in the NFL could influence his decision. Uh, do you think he's the kind of guy that would, try to force his hand kind of like Eli Manning did. What's your thought on Trevor Lawrence at this stage? 
well, I think he's definitely, uh, if he comes out, he'll be the number one pick take now. Who will have that pick? It looks like it's either going to be the Jets or Jacksonville. Both teams really, you know, you can make the argument needs. They're awful. I think I think the Jets have a lot more other issues than quarterback other than Sam Donald, who they drafted a few years ago. But at the same time, you could have a new head coach in New York. Yeah, uh, you may want to. You might have a new general manager, depending on who you ask, and they may want their own guy and start over with Trevor Lawrence. I know a lot of people talk about Trevor Lawrence possibly doing the Eli Manning thing, but just think about it for for a minute. You go to New York, a team that hasn't won a Super Bowl in fifty years, and you can if you can turn that around and make them a winner, like he would be this legendary. That time. They people still talk about Joe Namath, and he won one Super Bowl there. So just think about that, especially in the biggest media market in the planet. Uh, so I, I don't see him turning that down. Yes, it's a, not a good situation, but neither is Jacksonville. Neither are a lot of these teams that are down there near the bottom of the NFL. Washington's not a good situation. The Giants aren't a good situation. So, I mean, either way, if you're down there close to the bottom, you're not going to be in the best of situations. But I feel like depending on who they may hire as a head coach and get in there, uh, it could be a better situation. He can help lead the charge of turning the Jets right around, especially in that division, especially when New England is no longer a big-time superpower with Tom Brady no longer in division. Let me let me interrupt and, and, and just follow up with this. Uh, do you think that him missing the time that he has costs him the Heisman? And, Patrick, what are the odds on that? Antoine first. Probably, yeah. Uh, it's it's going to be hard for him. And let, well, it, it's not impossible. If they Clemson wins out and wins the ACC and he just dominates there, uh, it's definitely an opportunity for him to win the Heisman. But I definitely think, yeah, you have looking at Mike Jones for Alabama, the job he's done, and also Kyle Trash from Florida, who's been lighting it up for the Gators this year and putting up just outstanding numbers. Probably one of the best quarterbacks. Uh, statistically that Florida has ever had. And even if you talk about Tim Tebow, I think it's going to be hard. He might get the invite to New York, uh, even though the fact that he missed a few games. But uh, I definitely think he'll be there. But right now I think it's kind of Kyle Trash's award to lose, especially with Matt Jones there probably being a close second. Right. So, again, again, this is something where no fault of his own, he came down with COVID. But prior to that, we had Trevor Lawrence as a minus 200 favorite at Bavada to win the 2020 Heisman Trophy uh, with Fields just behind him. Now we have it as a legitimate four-man race with Trevor Lawrence 2-1, to one, Kyle Trask plus 230, Justin Fields plus 250, and Mac Jones at 3-1. to one. Uh, We do have Trevor Lawrence as a runaway uh, for the first overall pick, uh, minus 650 to be drafted uh, first overall. So you'd have to risk 650 bucks to net $100 profit return. Uh, I hope he doesn't go to the Jets. I, I wonder each week, I have my search notifications are, are always ready so I can settle Adam Gase net, next to be fired at Bovada. Still don't know how, how, what have we lost? Three or four coaches already this year. And Adam Gase, not one of them. I don't know if it's going to be him or perhaps Mike McCarthy next or if McCarthy is going to get the season because it's not looking that great in Dallas either. But uh, I am fascinated and I am hopeful for Trevor Lawrence, who I think is a fantastic player and a very interesting guy that he doesn't end up on the New York football Jets. <laughs> the, the, the bias on this show is unbelievable. <laughs> uh, and finally, Antoine, uh, Florida State's had a rough season, uh, just one in six in the conference. Uh, 35 point underdogs, uh, this week as Clemson comes into Tallahassee at Doe Campbell stadium, 
uh, size up this game for me. I I watched my orange uh, get blistered by them, but actually Syracuse hung in there until the third quarter. What do you expect for the Seminoles? Well, I think for any Florida State to have any chance in this game, they want they have to run the football effectively throughout the course of the game. If you saw last time we saw Clemson, a lot of people pointed Trevor Lawrence not being there is the reason that they lost. But I feel like the reason they lost was the fact that their defense didn't play well against the Irish. So I think if you're at Florida State, you want to be able to run the ball, especially if you ha- end up starting a young freshman quarterback in uh, Chubba Purdy, who got the start last week against NC State. You run the ball effectively. If you can slow down uh, Clemson's running game too as well, I think that will be a way to kind of keep them keep their offense off the field there. It's going to be tough. I, I, I like Clemson to win, obviously. Uh, that's a huge spread, especially on the road. But you're going to play a Clemson team that hasn't played in a couple of weeks and I'm sure is very is still seething and a little angry that the fact that they lost that game in South Bend there against Notre Dame. Yeah, we have an over-under of 66.5 for that game, which I believe is our second highest over-under of the Saturday slate. So we're expecting points. Uh, We think Florida State can score on Clemson, but they are going to have to find a way to get some stops. Hopefully Lawrence, uh, you know, maybe there's a little bit of rust there. Maybe, I I mean, I don't know. I just don't see it right now. But yeah, we're currently holding at that uh, 35-point spread, and we're seeing about 65% of the money on Clemson there in that spot. Should be an intriguing matchup, no question. From the Tallahassee Democrat, our new friend, the first ever guest on the Bavada at Odds podcast, it's Antoine Staley. Antoine, thanks so much for doing this. Yeah, thank y'all for having me. I appreciate it. Great stuff from Antoine Staley. Great stuff on the NFL. Patrick, uh, very enlightening interview. We did all gridiron today. Yeah, and you know what? I think we can safely say that that was our best guest in this show's history has to be for patrick morrow and antoine staley my name is seth everett you've been listening to the bavada at odds podcast we'll see you next time